Hey, Kingfield family. Thanks for tuning in to this platform with us on Anchor.fm or whatever platform you were choosing to listen to your podcast on. These are going to be collections of our Coach's Corner, Coach's Talk with coaches, community members, and other friends within our network and the Kingfield family. So, Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy. Please, if you want us to bring anything or anyone on, reach out to Danny at CrossFitKingfield.com. Send your suggestions, comments, and we hope to bring more and more fun, more and more connection, and more and more value to you here on this platform. Thanks for listening and enjoy. Well, uh, let's do this, Mary. So for anybody that's listening, maybe we can, uh, you could just kind of start off with a little introduction about yourself and then... uh, kind of what you do, and then we'll go from there. Yeah. Um, so Mary Spaniel, sometimes you guys might see me at the gym, sometimes not. I sometimes work out with Mike in the turf room because just schedule. But um, I ha- I'm i member zero. Um, you are. I am. Danny uh, and I went to college together, and uh, he came up to me one day and said, we're going to do CrossFit. And I said, I don't know what that is, but as long as you tell me what I'm doing, I'm, I'm in for it. Um, so what I do, um, I am a, a psychologist. I'm a doctoral level psychologist. So um, what's a little bit unique about my profession is that I am by um, training and practice a forensic psychologist. So that is kind of the intersection between the legal system and mental illness or mental health. Um, so I, I'm frequently working um, in settings that involve incarceration, uh, courts, legal battles, um, a whole bunch of different things. So that's kind of my job in a nutshell. <laughs> so I guess like the first question that comes to mind when you hear that like, oh, I'm a forensic psychologist is like, what? What inspired that kind of like field of study? Did, did you always set out to be a forensic psychologist or was this something that kind of came to you? Mm-hmm. Um, absolutely not. I, uh, when I went to school, so after I graduated college, I didn't want to go get a real job because I didn't quite know what I wanted to do, but I know I wanted to work with people. Um, and I knew I couldn't pass biology, so I couldn't be a physician. <laughs> So I um, stuck with psychology. I went to go get my master's, essentially, because I just didn't know what else to do. Um, In that, I really thought I was going to work with kids and families and couples because um, I come from a really large family. There's a lot of dynamics within it. And so that was something I was just super used to. Um, But when I was in my master's, I was working as a first grade para, and I realized that it's it's so hard to send the kids back to such a chaotic environment. So much is outside of your control. So um, to see if I wanted to go work with kids or not, I went and did the opposite, which led me to work with like adults with severe mental illness. I found out I loved that, and it was really like rewarding. So within my doctorate, we have numerous training opportunities. Um, I thought I wanted to work in the community with adults who had severe mental illness, but to make sure I did the same thing again, I went and did the opposite and I went and worked in the federal system for my training and I fell in love with it and haven't really left kind of forensics or prison settings since. So it's an interesting way of viewing things of like finding answers through disconfirming information, right? Like, mm-hmm. like my intuition leads me this way, except for I'm going to explore this and then see if if that's what I like and lo and behold there's a lot of like opportunities and and passion there 
Interestingly enough, I think that we are all probably in a situation right now with COVID-19 and being at home at which this could be that same disconfirming scenario, right? Where like, I am so used to work and routine and doing all of these things now. However, I have literally been forced to be put in this situation. And I think people are, are observing a lot of the things that comes with that. So maybe do you see in the, the couple of weeks that we've been in this, do you see any similarities between your work and the things that you've been hearing or experiencing or things like that? Because I'm sure yeah. there are a lot of people that are feeling some things right now. Absolutely. It's a, it's a really like um, interesting point in the field right now with everything going on. So I see a lot of, I hear a lot of the disconfirming stuff because how many people have said, I want to work from home. <laughs> and now that we're all forced to work from home, I don't know many people, myself included, that would say, I want to work from home all the time. Like, hell no, I don't want to do that. Um, I also think that within a lot of settings I've worked in, you've heard a lot of people say, like, I don't like my coworkers. I don't need my coworkers, right? Kind of like feeling that they're strong and on an island. And you can be strong and kind of uh, more independent. But I think people are recognizing more and more how much they gain from having these routines outside of their home um, and having support by just people being near them, like not even interacting with them. And without having those things that are naturally just created and built in for you, uh, I think that a lot of people are kind of floundering because one of the big things that routines provide us, myself included, Mike, can, Mike knows how regimented I am, is it gives us predictability. And predictability innately gives people comfort. And, um, and without those things, um, we're kind of faced with the discomfort that we're dealing with right now. But do you think there could be some positives in kind of facing this disconfirming information or like being in this situation presently and, and spending time here? Do you feel like there's something to be gained for people? Absolutely. Um, I think though that you can gain from it if you choose to. That's one of the biggest things that I kind of like think about a lot and especially as a therapist even uh, is you get out of it what you want to and what you put into it. So if you want to learn things from this moment, absolutely, people will 100%. If you don't, you won't. And you're going to be stuck in kind of how miserable this is. Um, so I think some of the positives hopefully people can recognize and start gaining from this is, again, just a, a, a higher self-awareness of where we devote our attention or um, are the things that are built into our regular routine that we need or that we just had in there that we don't need. So do you think currently like, so isolation is a weird thing, right? I mean, like you're, you're dealing with a community of people that um, this is their reality for a vast majority of the number of hours throughout the day. Mm -hmm. Are there like, is there a playbook to that? Like you're going into, you're a member of society and now you're going to be going in spending a lot of time by yourself or in your freedoms are restricted, here's how you survive or you thrive. Yeah. Is there anything that like, I guess, what is that kind of process like from the psychology perspective that, you know, you look for when you, and, you know, share what you can, you know, obviously, mm -hmm. but is there things that people could glean from that experience or, or what happens there and then maybe apply those to their everyday lives? Yeah. So when I think of isolation, like I even explain it to my clients this way, like, um, being there's isolation, which is negative and causes the issues in your life, right? Something's wrong and I'm going to go spend time alone and it's going to make things worse. 
or there's taking time for yourself and being alone, um, which looks exactly the same, yet hopefully you'll gain from it or you'll have some positive um, experience out of it, right? We all need time alone. Um, so hopefully what people are seeing is kind of where their threshold is at. Um, I think the other thing hopefully people are um, learning from this is that um, introversion and extroversion, we all have very different like personality styles and like relating with people. But the genuine definition of those things is introversion is you gain energy by being alone. Um, extroversion is you gain energy by being around people. So I imagine that um, some of the introverts might be experiencing um, not as much distress or discomfort as some of the extroverts are. But that's why Hi, Travis. some of these um, platforms are so helpful for people um, because it gives the extroverts a chance to engage and relate with people. Yet we're all people and we're all humans. Um, humans heal and connect and feel good and better um, through connection. Right, so we all introvert, extrovert still need people. Um, but when it comes to like the playbook of spending more time alone um, or in isolation or what it might be, I was trying to think about kind of all the time I spent in prison before this morning and what worked for guys and what didn't work for guys. Um, and I think one of the amazing things about um, so what at least my clients did in prison was they um, found so much like enjoyment in simple things. Um, you're not finding your enjoyment or mindlessly scrolling through social media, right? You're actually finding enjoyment in connecting with people in a genuine way where you have to interact with them. Um, you're giving forth so much effort to show someone else that you want to connect, right? You write a letter. How many people have written a handwritten letter and sent it out to someone? It's such a simple thing, um, but it's such a thing of the past that we don't do it anymore. Um, they read a book. Like those guys read more than I ever do, <laughs> um, but they sat down with a paper book. There's something I think really cool about having the texture and the feeling of a book in your hands. Um, they enjoyed and they looked forward to getting certain foods or, um, you know, once a week or every other week they were able to get their canteen. Right? So having something to look forward to and having to wait for it. Again, these are all the things that kind of our uh, society has minimized within our lives, which is good, right? It's good that we can have access to things that we like and want and people at all times, but also it takes away those things that almost build up a lot of the positive um, feelings within our lives and help us acknowledge when we're having those positive connections or feelings with other people. So a couple things come up with that when I hear that. My first question to you is like from a human psyche perspective, do we, is it human nature to feel enjoyment and like completion? Is that kind of like a reward thing? Like I completed a book. Mm -hmm. um, and so it would seem to me that like giving people you know, like the old, the age old phrase, like, how do you eat an elephant? It's like mm -hmm. one bite at a time, you know, mm -hmm. if it, like, you can have this mindset of like, I just want to get to this moment and then I just want to complete this and then get to this moment and then just complete this. And then lo and behold, you know, over time you have completed something or you've been able to withstand. So I think what I've been trying to help people and phrase things to them is that like, 
uncertainty makes no one feel great because a lot of times we're like grasping at straws for things we can control. Mm -hmm. But even if you had control, you're still in the same situation. You know, you still have to deal with the same amount of days. We still have the same amount of time. So um, it's interesting. Do you, do you recommend like if someone were trying to shift their framework, their thinking, would you like, what would kind of be a simple strategy, like f start to find simple tasks that you can complete, or is it lean in towards things you can reward yourself with? I mean, how do you start to do that? And if you don't, if you've never done that before, right? If you were somebody that just kind of like, lived in chaos, but now you're trying to find some sort of normalcy, how would you recommend someone start to develop a routine? Yeah, so um, essentially we're being almost forced to be mindful, right? We can't fill our lives with all these running through tasks and running through different um, place to place to place, right? Um, and, and being mindful can be uncomfortable. Um, I think one of the best, like, I'll kind of walk you through um, uh, an activity I've given to my clients numerous times. Um, and I think it kind of explains what you're asking really well. Right? So everyone else listening, you can participate too. So I want everyone to take 10 seconds and look around your room, wherever you are. I want you to count all of the red things in the room. So I'll start now and I'll tell you when to stop. Okay, how many did people find? 13. 13? Travis, how 11. many? 11. 12. Okay, everyone close your eyes. How many red things are in the room? Zero. Well, I mean 13, but. Right? So it's hard. Um, we're being forced to be mindful, but what's important of what is what we're being mindful of. When you're um, in a scenario like this, um, I have to constantly repeat, uh, remind myself that um, my perspective, my outlook, what I'm looking for influences kind of everything else going on, right? If I'm only looking for the reds and the reds are all negative, right, or I'm only looking for the blues and the blues are all negative, I don't, I literally don't see the reds there. Um, and so that's kind of where the mindfulness practice can really come into play. I mean, it, we're given a chance to truly think about what are we looking for in our lives? What are we noticing? What are we more drawn to? And is that what we want to be drawn to? Yeah, I think right now is a really interesting kind of like time for people to see. It's an interesting experiment in human values, right? Like what actually matters. But I think people are also becoming acutely aware of like, um, probably where they're not so efficient with time. If you have kids, like I've been trying to tell people, like my son does not care mm -hmm. if I have to right now. Like his reality is present focus. It's, it's this thing right now. And that um, I approach that with a lot of levity and, and a lot of like understanding that, you know, he's young enough that he won't remember this time, but his intentions are still positive. And so, yeah, I think that, people are becoming very, very acutely aware of the things that stress them out. And then that becomes suffocating. Right. So, well, if we you could be aware of the things that are beneficial for you. So like how many times have you yourself, Danny said, I wish I had more time to spend at home with Maddox. Oh, all the time. Like I, yeah. especially I love this. This is not, 
my world and my reality, which is I wake up every day and I have numerous people who um, I'm responsible for and numerous people that want something from me. Um, I mean, that is my reality always. If it is, I don't, I don't gracefully enter my day. I, I mean, I don't choose to immediately look at my phone or my, um, my emails, but I mean, as soon as I make the decision to engage in either of those two things, I know what the outcome is. Mm -hmm. Right. And so, um, you know, and for me, I mean, you know me well, we've, uh, you've been one of my longest friends. So, I mean, we're going on 16 years together and like, you have known that like, I am somebody who thrives in chaos mm -hmm. and I have, this does not really bother me by any stretch of the imagination. But what I think is more important for people is that, and I've tried to share a bit of my story is that this thing that they had, you know, cause I think people are probably having to deal with, um, they have an expectation of what working out feels like, right? Yep. You know, I want yep. to feel a certain way. Um, I need to be a certain place if I'm going to work out. Um, work doesn't happen unless I'm at the office, you know? Like there's all these, these kinds of like, I guess, not parameters, but perceptions, or we've, we have certain ideologies that we have to, you know, have created probably subconscious stressors that now all of a sudden it's like, mm -hmm. gone. Yeah, it's so, all these expectations we set up for ourselves that we don't necessarily need or aren't based in like necessity. Sorry, I cut you off. But yeah. no, no, that's great. That's very eloquently put, more so than I can put. So do you feel like for people, if they are struggling with this idea of not being able to live up to their expectations, do you have a practice or an exercise or what do you recommend there, you know, they try to start to tell themselves so that they don't have to live in the cycle of incompletion or not living up to what I want to do? Cause I think that's where people are right now. Yeah, um, absolutely. So um, I think one of the best um, ways to understand this is um, regardless of the age of my clients that I worked with in prison, we showed them the movie inside out. And I bring that up because one of the best things that people can do if they're feeling really stuck in this um, cycle of just not getting things done or being really inefficient or being distressed or un uncomfortable is don't pretend like it's not. Um, the only way for you to break any sort of cycle like that is to truly acknowledge what's involved in it. Because if we try to make changes off of something that isn't reality, nothing's going to change. Um, so if you're feeling isolated, tell someone you feel that way. If you pretend like it's not a big deal, no one's going to come towards you to help out. Mm -hmm. um, if you're telling people you're, you know, um, doing bad, everyone wants to support other people, right? That's why we have this such amazing community. Um, but I think the best thing for people to do to start breaking the cycle is just truly acknowledging how they are feeling. Because if you understand how you're feeling, um, you know, feelings don't have to be scary. Feelings, like in the movie, they give you information. They're just, they're just, it's more information to take in about things going well, things that could be changed, um, how, just what's going on. So this is our current reality, whether people choose to graciously or realistically acknowledge that, but it, we can't overlook the fact that once this is all done, there'll be a whole new host of things mm -hmm. you know, that come up for people. And so, you went back to, we've talked about this, that there's something that can be learned here. How do, how do you think that people should approach like what this time in quarantine and, and social distancing um, will have given them? And then how can we apply that going forward? Because it's like, we're, 
some people are going to go from no contact to like tons of contact and that in and of itself could just swing the pendulum hard the other way. Mm-hmm. So what are your recommendations there? Um, again, it's like fairly similar. It's pay attention to all the sources of information you're getting in, right? Don't necessarily just completely dive into your older team because maybe that wasn't working for you. Maybe that was just kind of what you were used to. Um, I, myself, um, as you've seen numerous times, like, um, some days I come to the gym and I'm like overwhelmed, overstimulated. I don't want to talk to anyone. I have too much people time. Um, and then, and I bring that up because it happens to people. So if people can kind of be aware of like, um, again, what's working and how they're feeling, right, as they ease into it. Um, Because, yeah, like what you said, like diving in um, to the deep end, that doesn't normally go well for anyone in most scenarios. Um, But hopefully what people could start doing is um, kind of making a list or um, prioritizing what what they really miss and what they really want to start with. Right. When we walk out of this, when we can go and interact with people, choose the few people that you really want to go see or you really want to connect with. Right. Rather than connecting with everyone around you, because that will lead you to kind of being burnt out. Yeah, it kind of seems like this time at least is going to help people recalibrate like on the people that give them energy, the people that inspire them, the things that give them energy, the things that inspire them and hopefully promote action towards that. Um, Mm -hmm. so numerous times you've talked about this idea, you've kind of treaded around awareness and information and then how we can take responsibility and ownership. Is that something that you talk with people when they are in whatever circumstance they're in and however they have, whatever has brought them to working with you, does it start with kind of zeroing in on themselves and understanding, just take ownership over you first before trying to fix other things? Mm -hmm. Um, one of the one of the theories I practice is called dialectical behavioral therapy, and it's a very skills-based approach. Um, and you have um, everyone who practices it holds a few tenets in their mind, like beliefs that it's founded in. Um, and one of the things I really like about it is it um, you, you strongly believe when you're practicing this that the client or the person may not have created all the problems in their lives, but it's their responsibility to fix them. Um, and I think that's kind of true. Um, we can't control everything going on in our life. <laughs> we can't control everything. Um, but there's always something within every scenario that we can control. Maybe it's just how I look at things. Maybe it's how I react to things or don't react. Hey, bud. So I think there's, you know, an understanding things that are in your control and out of your control. What are when you start to identify those things, how do you then, like, people might not necessarily be super thrilled with, like, what's on the paper, right? So, like, I'm, yeah. process. I'm getting some, like, clear expectations of who and what I am, but I don't really like that, you know? And that could be in anything. Um, that could be anything in fitness-related, you know, work, you know, work-related, mm-hmm. relationship advice. I mean, now what happens when if someone has this huge like inventory sheet, now how do we start to kind of make some tactical and responsible um, changes, I guess, like yeah. behavioral adaptations? Yeah. So like, what do you start doing, right? If the, the thing or the person you're faced with, you don't like, or you don't 
um, you don't want to take responsibility for. Again, I think this, like, it's a matter of how you look at it. I think this whole time could be almost viewed as a huge reset for everyone. Um, we can reset with how we want to be, right? And our how, how we are, eventually defines who we are. Um, we can reset with who we want in our lives because the people around us end up being some of the most influential people in our lives. Sure. We can reset on how we treat others and how we treat ourselves, whether it's just health, prioritizing our health, how we eat, how we look at things. But this could truly be like a huge reset for people. And the it's important kind of what we were saying before is you start at one point at a time, right? Don't change everything and everything you do and everyone you're around. Um, I think starting with yourself and focusing on prioritizing the things that you recognize that are really important to you now, that's where you start. Yeah, it goes, I mean, it's, I think this is really great. And thank you for that. Cause it can be, you can ex, you know, extrapolate that into the, the athlete paradigm, right? In which I have a set goal and I want to achieve X, how do I get there? And it's like one training session at a time and being yeah. consistent and being patient, um, being realistic about kind of how you're feeling on those days. And I think, uh, maybe out of all of this, that's what I've been most proud about with Kingfield is that that we've held true to that message and our, mm -hmm. our training has really always kind of supported this idea of, you know, of, of really kind of like allowing yourself to receive that feedback that your body's telling you and, you know, and respond in a responsible way. So one of the things I wanted to ask you is then is about stress and like mm -hmm. i'm sure that when your clients come to you they are there's no shortage of stress um or when people want to talk like that is a stressful situation it's not oftentimes they're not voluntarily being there but how do you start um move a conversation toward i mean do you look at stress in a, a positive light do you i mean how do you start to discuss stress with them and and help them understand that first yeah so um, I kind of use stress in kind of everything. Again, it's based in that more theory is it's information, right? I take a non-judgmental stance. I don't put um, positive or negative value on it. It's neither good nor bad, right? It is. It, it is what you're experiencing. Same thing with emotions. They're not good emo emotions. They're not bad emotions. They're just what you're feeling. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think stress can tell us areas that are going well and areas that we could adjust. Um, you know, I'm assuming a lot of people are um, with being kind of forced to be more mindful um, or more present just in your life because your life, the bubble has gotten a lot smaller. Um, they're probably noticing a lot more of the stress, um, how their body feels, right? How their mind and their body are connected and might kind of weigh down on each other. It's kind of this, um, it just builds. Um, so stress in the way that I talk about it is again, more information. What is this telling me? Um, and what do I need to kind of work on? How receptive are people to that messaging? Like, are they like, Oh, that's in that's interesting. Great. Or are they just like push that aside? Both. They're like, that's interesting, but I want to stop feeling that way now, this way now. <laughs> right? Totally. Right. Yeah. I mean, and I think it's important. And so, from your your standpoint, maybe you can speak specifically. I, mean, I think that the CrossFit paradigm is that um, three, two, one, go. Times matter, load matters, reps matter. Like we compete every day, we'll die for you know for points and things like that. I mean, that's 
those are like old adages from 2005 CrossFit and on, but have you experienced that that is a healthy way to approach the gym, to approach your training is that like at all costs, I'm going for it. No, um, (laughs) because like, um, you know, the, yes, it's a very CrossFit like ish mentality, like the old one, but I also don't think like when you're saying it, that's not the Kingfield mentality. Like I've never like finished a workout with Hannah and then screamed in her face, like I won. Right. It doesn't really matter is how, um, was I kind of to myself and to the people around me during that and after. So it's more of the how, who I am rather than the, what I did because the, you know, in life and in, uh, when we work out together, like we don't care about how much you're lifting, right? It doesn't matter how many clients I saw that day. Did I, um, did, did my clients benefit from our interactions and did I do it in a way that I feel okay with? Totally. Well, the reason I ask that is I think that it's important because, um, there are, there is misinformation out there, right? The autonomy of the affiliate model allows certain gyms to embark on certain, training regimens or protocols or methodologies or belief systems that really is kind of left up to the person who's in charge of, of crafting that. Mm -hmm. And I think that what you've experienced professionally and what, um, over the years coaching and and working with breath work a lot is that physiology doesn't lie and that you and I respond to things in similar manners. However, uh, probably one of the things that makes us unique as humans is that we have this ability to, be creative, but also ignore things and push through. I mean, I'm not familiar with any other species that utilizes external stress as a way of seeking adaptation intentionally. Mm-hmm. The rest of it yeah. is. Um, so I know I want to be respectful of time because we got a jet, um, but I think that going forward with this whole scenario of, of kind of people abruptly you know, having their reality and their home life change within days, really. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, do you feel like it's going to be, you know, their, I guess my singular question is this, is that if people are struggling right now, what would you recommend that they could do to maybe start to shift their perspective? Um, or yeah, or how they feel. Yeah, I think the best thing they can do is start focusing on um, the things that they want to devote their energy to, right? Identify the things that you're grateful for. Um, You know, if there's things that aren't there that you want in your life, right, this is a time to start making those first steps towards it. If you don't like how you feel, acknowledge how you're just feeling in general, rather than just saying, pretending that you don't feel the way you do. Um, Yeah, it doesn't help. It doesn't change anything. Um, I think again, everything is all about like kind of the mindset and how you're viewing things. Are you looking for the reds or are you looking for the blues? So starting with that um, and, and do, do things on a regular basis that help you feel better. Um, whenever I'm stressed at work, I look up puppies because <laughs> I want all of the dogs, but it gives your brain like a, a quick dopamine boost and then you feel a little bit better, right? If you didn't, if you didn't get everything done you wanted to get done in a day, okay. Like being stressed about it doesn't change it, right? So it's kind of figuring out where you're putting your energy to, where you're focusing on, being kind to yourself through all of this. This isn't comfortable for anyone. Um, And again, thinking about and looking forward to the things that you can do and you will be able to do when this is eventually over because this won't last forever. (laughs) I think... 
I, I think it's interesting. I mean, there's been events in human history where um, people have been forced into shelter before and the psychology of that for kids that came out with no trauma was really um, circled around the parents who were able to take certain um, periods of time. So maybe like the going to bed routine and making it really fun or like in the, the Blitzkrieg days when it was like, hey, we got to go back into the shelters, but that was a game. And mm -hmm. it was just small amounts of enjoyment surrounded um, these events that are not normal for all intents and purposes. And that um, those who were able to have, bring some levity, but also I think, you know, push back that finish line, so to speak. Mm -hmm. I mean, data shows that they fared far better than those who tried to hold tightly to what's going on. So, yes. well, I really appreciate your time. I think this was a yeah. super valuable chat for everybody. And um, obviously, you know, thank you on many levels and for being client zero. Um, for those people that don't know, Mary first started crossfitting with me back in 2009. So mm -hmm. she is coming on 11 years of the old functional fitness game. She's... Yep. Couldn't do a handstand, fell on my head in front of everyone. Yeah, I think, you know, I'm, I'm at least can be proud of myself for, you know, my coaching methodology has changed. The first time I tried yeah. to teach someone what handstand push-up was Mary, and I think it went something like this. Um, hey, I want to see if you can do a handstand push-up. Cool, how do I do that? I don't know. Put your hands on the ground, and then I threw her feet up against the <laughs> wall and fell on her head. <laughs> Not a successful strategy, so. Uh, well, thank you. So yes. I really, really. I know uh, there are many who uh, will be tuning in and will appreciate it as well. Perfect. Awesome. Good. We'll talk soon. Bye. Bye.